Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our first episode of Talking Recipes. I'm your host, Brian Dempsey, and we're in beautiful Bennington, Vermont. The idea behind the whole thing is just to get some folks together that care about the old recipes from our moms, pops, grandmothers, and grandfathers, and preserve them, talk, preserve the recipes via audio, which is something we want to talk about, and just uh, talk about the recipes. There's some great recipes. I know uh, my mother, I've got books and books of handwritten recipes that she has, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the old handwritten recipe index card type things they've got. Uh, stains on them and, and, and food on them, and we're, so we're talking recipes tonight. I don't expect many people to join us. It takes a while for something like this to get started. But I did want to mention a few things to begin with. Uh, community cookbooks, of course, are one of my <coughs> favorite. They're commonly known as the, the church-type cookbooks or the uh, fundraiser cookbooks. They're usually spiral-bound and the reason for that is because those cookbooks um, are written by real people with real recipes that you'll find uh, in the home, and 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 they're just absolutely true, true uh, cookbooks. Uh, I'm not saying that the other cookbooks aren't, but my primary uh, conversation and talk is about community cookbooks. Um, they're, they're, they're one of the most uh, used of all cookbooks. Uh, they're used over and over. They're found in almost every family. They're used because of their unique qualities. Each uh, community cookbook has certain uh, ingredients that none others do. They're always down-to-earth recipes. Um, and don't forget, they're filled by local people like you and me, by volunteers, community members, your neighbors, your friends. Um, they come in a lot of variety, soft cover, hard cover, three ring, uh, usually pay anywhere from ten to twenty-five dollars at a fundraiser for them, and they're a great way way to uh, uh, raise funds for like the local Lions Club or the Girl Scouts or, or or something. But I just feel that the community cookbooks are like a big family reunion uh, to which everybody gives what they can, and and it, it'll be some of the best tasting food you ever make when you use the recipes from a community cookbook. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Again, my name is Brian Dempsey, and uh, uh, I'm in Bennington, Vermont. The location really isn't important. Um, I'm just uh, host, hosting this tonight, and um, we're going to record this. And uh, if you have some ideas or so forth for uh, recipes and so forth, you just let us know. Uh, I've invited a few people from our Facebook page. There's a, a couple of <clears throat> excuse me, interesting Facebook pages that I found. Uh, one one is the Vintage Recipe Project, which I think is a wonderful uh, 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 a group, and it, it, it exemplifies what we're talking about here tonight. Is um, excuse me, the classic uh, everyday home recipe. 
Um, and that's a place on, that's on Facebook, Vintage Recipe Project. And uh, you can come from, you can come in, and uh, you don't need a PIN number or anything. You can join. You can just uh, chat if you don't want to call on the phone. Um, and we're hoping eventually is to figure out how to uh, set up a website where people can call in and have their family members just simply call in, even on a landline phone, and um, give their recipes, and then we'll save these in an audio file. And um, that, that's the thing we're working on. It's, it's strictly a labor of love. There'll be no cost for it. There might be some advertising that I might have to do just to cover expenses, but I'm not going to charge people for this. So uh, that certainly is important just to know that I'm not here to make money or trying to trying to do a deal. Everything here is strictly for, uh, you know, a money, not, not about money. So with that, let's hold for a moment. I'm going to do a couple things, invite some more people to our chat. And once again, we're talking recipes here at uh, uh, TalkShoe, uh, tonight's uh, Talking Recipes. And as, as you come into the call, uh, let us know uh, who you are, and that way we can make sure and everybody can hear me, we're hoping. There we go. That should be much better. Again, we're talking recipes here on uh, TalkShoe. And again, we're talking basically uh, home, home, basic home recipes. And while I'm inviting some people from Facebook, we'll just let it be quiet. Uh, if you come in, just let us know. And for right now, while we're waiting for some folks to come in, I'm going to read a little uh, excerpt from a friend of mine, Marina Wolf. Now, she wrote a little story about the historical significance of community cookbooks. Again, this is written by Marina Wolf. Now, she says, Community cookbooks. Most of our mothers had at least one of these rickety assemblages of tried and true recipes collected by a committee, plainly published and sold by the stack to raise funds for some unspecified charitable project. She says, my mom has one mimeographed volume dating to 1956 whose cover is charred in a spiral pattern that bears a suspicious resemblance to an electric burn. But in spite of this fascinating mark, I never wondered about the book or even what my mom was cooking while she was burning the cover off. Now I'm rethinking my oblivionness, you know what I mean, thanks to some scholars who are mulling over such seemingly mundane material. There's so many stories about communities cookbooks from histories from the University of Massachusetts Press in 1997, they take a good hard look at the questions a curious reader may find in community cookbooks. Contributors to these cookbooks use their husbands' names and others use their own names. Why do some cookbooks not mention names at all? Why is one dish included five times? Why are instructions usually so terse? Why, for example, are there non-kosher recipes in a Jewish woman's auxiliary cookbook? Again, this is from the University of, of Massachusetts Press, 1997. So anyways, underneath, she, she, she goes on to say, underneath these seemingly trivial questions, however, are real issues. What does a collection of recipes reflect about its community group dynamics and aspirations? 
What is the effect of ethnicity or economic status on the language and content of the cookbook? How does the process of creating these cookbooks dovetail with the creation of women's communities? In answer, the scholar set out a veritable feast of possibilities in the field of women's culture. One Recipes for Reading essay examines the syntax and semantics of pie recipes to provide a linguistic background for the communities that created and used them. Another deconstructs like water for chocolate as a complex blend of community and self in the kitchens of Mexico. In her own contribution, and again, this is from the uh, University of Pass Press, 1997, Editor Ann Bauer identifies narrative elements of community cookbooks that combine to tell stories of history, moral triumph, or the integration and assimilation of a smaller community into the larger society. I guess the University of Mass likes to use big words. The assimilation plot line was common in the community cookbooks before World War II, according to Bauer. Until then, Books produced by women from various ethnic backgrounds called upon mom, God, the flag, and eight recipes for an apple pie. It was a natural phase of the immigrant experience, says Bauer. These women were asserting themselves as middle-class Americans. They wanted to show that they ate whatever was current and they lived the good life. Later, as wars and international politics sped up the globalization of America's taste and tolerances, immigrant communities felt more comfortable, and their cookbooks began to include native recipes, native languages, lingo, and a palpable sense of ethnic, cultural, or religious pride. Meanwhile, women's roles in the home changed which necessarily affected the tone of their community cookbooks. Early books emphasized the power of women to affect the physical and moral health of their families through the meals that were served. Bauer writes, and again, if you're just tuning in, this is from uh, the University of Mass Press, 1997. Bauer writes, they used a lot of terms like domestic scientist or minister of the family state, perhaps as a way of compensating for or distracting women from the constricted sphere in which they live. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking recipes, we're talking community cookbooks. This is the first of many episodes to come, just talking about basic recipes. Most cookbooks, however, still enforce the notion of the woman as the cook, regardless of her social or professional standing. Today, most community cookbooks have occasional male contributors. I, I, I tend to disagree with that. Today, I have a lot of male contributors. But anyways, according to Bauer, and a much heightened awareness of health and ecological issues. But in fact, Bauer says, the cookbooks still display old attitudes about women and cooking. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking cookbooks, community cookbooks, and recipes. Uh, this is, I, I'm your host, Brian Dempsey, and we'll be having talks once a week uh, we'll be talking uh, recipes, and these are the recipes that you found on your mom and dad's index cards. They were stuffed in a drawer. They had stains on them, most likely. And uh, right now, I'm reading a little excerpt from the 1997 University of Math, Math from Ann Bauer. She she writes about community cookbooks. Anyway, she says this was certainly true of my mother, though she was never very skilled as a cook. 
I recently went back to her charred cookbooks to see what culinary stories she had picked up as a young woman. The cookbook came out of Utah in the mid-50s, so women were the kitchen authorities, gentle tyrants of the stovetop, feeding hungry men and eager children, as sifted in the crudely drawn cartoons at the front of each, each chapter. These were the scientific-looking tables of measurements, the chapter full of thrifty household hints in the obligatory poem on how to keep your husband happy, important reading from my mother, who was a simple student at Brigham Young University at the time. With the pressure surrounding unmarried women of that time and place, she surely would be studying the pages of these and other cookbooks, not only for guidelines, but also for fantasies of the wedded life to come. And we're back and we're reading from an excerpt from a 1997 uh, column written by Ann Bauer at the 1997 University of Massachusetts. She's talking about community cookbooks. My mother, being a newcomer to this congregation, contributed no recipe of her own, but like many a dedicated student of other literary genres, she wrote copious amounts, noting pieces of various cuts of meat and cutting recipes by two-thirds her singlehood revealing herself. Now, if you're just coming in on the call, be sure and uh, let us know who you are. You can also chat in the bottom text uh, box there. And uh, again, this is Brian Dempsey, and we're talking recipes and community cookbooks tonight. The community she joined consisted of sturdy, practical women who she would come to know well. Relatives of her friend and soon-to-be sister-in-law were major content providers. Most of the recipes were modest and made large quantities. There were directions assumed confidence and Mormon unitarianism, with the possible exception of the desserts, which took more pages than any other category. Perhaps the contributors wanted their friends to think they made desserts often, or maybe this was just the manifestation of a dream, an image of the sweeter life that everyone wanted in those post-war years. And maybe on my second reading, I can get to a discursive analysis of the salad dressing. Someday I might even get mom to confess the circumstances of the burnt book. But I've read enough to recognize this fading set of recipes for what it is, a rich primary text for the story of my mother's life. Wonderful story. That was a 1997 University of Massachusetts, Ann Bauer. And, you know, that's that's what community cookbooks are all about. I mean, basically, you know, they sit around the house. Um, they're put together by you, me, and other just everyday folks, uh, our neighbors, our friends, our family. And uh, they're just classic gems of true, real good down-home cooking. Uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with MasterChef and other, other shows on TV. I love watching them, in fact. But uh, these practical recipes with, with all the ingredients that are generally always found in your cup, cupboard or, or in your home were, were, were generally recipes to feed the family and for leftovers also. They were hearty recipes. Uh, a, lot, a lot of the cookbooks and recipes at the time really didn't give much thought to the to dieting and, 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 and sugar content. Salt content, certainly gluten-free, was not even a word heard of uh, back in the time. Uh, and certainly, I'm glad that it has been found, but I'm just saying uh, these weren't parts of the recipe. I mean, 
a lot of these recipes you look back have fat back and 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 and, and uh, uh, pig's feet and, and and just things that uh, we don't hear of anymore. There's there's a lot of things. Uh, and also, if 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 you'll also note, uh, a lot of people don't realize. Uh, one thing we eat a lot of uh, now, especially let's see, the Super Bowl is coming up and so forth, is chicken wings. Well, until the actually until the late fifties, early sixties, chicken wings were basically thought of as something you would put in a pot and boil and for, for stock to get chicken stock. Chicken wings were not like they are nowadays. So there's a perfect example of the changing times of food. So they were, they were considered a scrap item, actually, which is quite interesting. Nowadays, uh, if you go to a pub or, or to a restaurant, you can expect to pay usually at least 75 cents for a, one chicken wing, one single one, a buffalo wing or a barbecue wing or anything. So that's just an interesting uh, aspect of it, too. Uh, hold on. We'll be right back. And we're back, and thank you for for listening, you're probably listening on, a re- on the recorded call. Uh, the idea is to get some more people in here to talk about recipes, talk about their family recipes, um, also to talk about how we can put together an audio-type uh, website and index uh, our family members, maybe in their voices, talking about their recipes. It's something I would be happy to do, but uh, just talking about old-fashioned re- recipes and community cookbooks. So, again, uh, keep an eye on the Facebook page. We'll be scheduling another show. Hopefully we get some people to join us next time because that's how it's all going to happen. I mean, I can be long-winded, but uh, I can only have so much. You guys got to get in and talk about your family recipes and so forth. Don't be shy. It's very easy to call in. The phone number, um, 99% of us have unlimited uh, nationwide calling, so the the, the charge uh, because it's a... might be an out-of-state number for many of us, but it doesn't really shouldn't matter. Uh, you can call from a landline phone, so if you want your grandmother to join us, she can call from her, her landline phone, or you could just join us along. You could chat the chat box and listen to the show, but we really need to uh, get some people to join us. It's very easy. You just call the number, you listen, you ent- enter the show number, and then you always hit one as a guest and you're in. And you can comment. Uh, you can talk. You don't have to talk. Uh, you can talk about recipes. You can invite others. Uh, it would be a great way to get going here, talking recipes, community cookbooks, and so forth. So I hope to hear from you again, and watch uh, Facebook for an update. Until then, thank you so much, and have a great night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.